If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 7, verse 28. We're going to be looking at, starting there, reading through 8.17. I see that it's in your bulletin and probably on the screen above as well. So while you're turning there or getting ready, let me say uh, again, thank you for having me and um, bring greetings from RUF, Reform University Fellowship, which is your, the PCA campus ministry, uh, do RUF, the University of Louisville, and uh, we're in our sixth year. Uh, so uh, thank you for your support and your prayers for us and would appreciate, uh, appreciate both of those. Let's give our attention to God's word this morning, Matthew seven twenty-eight. This is right on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out their spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The grass withers, flowers fade away, but the word of God stands forever. Let's pray before we consider it further this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God that reveals himself. And Lord, as the author of these words, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to be their teacher. Would you meet with us? Would you reveal yourself in your grace and your mercy? Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A few months ago, maybe about a year ago, I had a pretty unique experience uh, that if you're a parent, you might have had. I woke up one morning, came downstairs, and we have two boys, and our oldest boy um, was acting really strange. He's a real high-energy kind of guy, and he was just sort of moping around the house, uh, not really being himself, and I kept asking him if he was okay, and he, he would indicate that he was. He was fine, but he kept it up, and so finally I asked him, I said, Miles, are you sick? And he said, this was his quote, he said, no, 
I'm not sick. I'm just feeling a little blue. Said he was just, yeah, thank you. Said he was just feeling a little blue. And so Amy took his temperature, and he had a pretty good little fever. Now, so for whatever reason, this was, it was really the first time that he had been sick, at least when he was old enough to, to be able to express it and talk about it. Um, it. It was the first time he had really felt like that. And it wasn't too long after that that you know, he, he began to feel worse and worse, and then just you know, he just wanted somebody to hold him and, and just wanted somebody to make it better. And I was struck. I took a couple of things away from that. Uh, the first thing that I was struck by is that I thought it was so fascinating that Miles, in his very first time of trying to verbalize, express what physical sickness was like, he talked about it in terms of, of the non-physical. He, was, he just had a fever, which that's how you would express it, but he said he felt sad. I thought that was fascinating. It was almost as if he... Certainly something physical is going on, but there, there's more to it. There's something beyond that. And the other thing that I, I was struck by from that is that just his longing, to seeing that longing in him that he wanted it, just somebody to take it and make it go away. And I wanted the same thing for him. I wished I could take it. And that, I think, is a little bit what we see here in this passage. Uh, the whole point of this passage, the whole point of Matthew, right? Matthew is about fulfillment. How Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the one that God had promised to his people. So Matthew is all about showing how Jesus is this one that's been promised. And to, uh, this morning our, our passage shows us in verse 17 at the very end that Jesus came to fulfill what Isaiah 53 uh, talks about. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. We see that Jesus is the, the healing hero that God sends. But if you go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 53, you see something interesting. And it's this, that the focus in Isaiah is not so much on physical healing, but it's actually on spiritual healing. Uh, the verse actually just before, or rather the next verse, excuse me, uh, says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. So I think just like Miles was sort of inadvertently, my son was expressing, that what we see in this passage is that, yes, something physical is going on, but there, there's more to it. The physical and the, the spiritual, if you will, are are very intimately connected. It, it, it points to something bigger. And we see that we have somebody that, that can do something about it. That there is one that's come as a hero to, to make us better. To take it on himself and make us better. So as we see Jesus as the healing hero, I want us to see three things that are uh, very well reflected there in your outline. Uh, first, we're going to see that Jesus has the authority to heal. Secondly, we'll look at who he heals. And thirdly and finally, how he heals. So first, let's talk about, see what this passage talks about, Jesus' authority to heal. So he's just, Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. And so for all that the Sermon on the Mount is, and the things, the numerous quotes, just even in our uh, everyday culture, people would recognize quotes from the Sermon on the Mount. 
So after just hearing that for the, for the very first time, hearing it actually given, the text tells us that what people were really impressed by, what, what they took away from the Sermon on the Mount, was the authority with which Jesus gave it. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. It wasn't what he did with the law. I mean, those things, of course, were amazing. But they were struck by his authority. It was as if he taught, he taught as if he was the one that wrote the law. And the truth is, of course, is that he did. So as Jesus talks about, gives the, uh, the manifesto, if you will, of his kingdom, he speaks as the king. And here in this passage, we see that evidenced. I think we see that highlighted in, this, uh, in the scene with the centurion in verse 5. All right, so a centurion is a Roman soldier, the Gentile, Roman soldier who's in charge of 100 men under him. Um, and he comes to Jesus because his servant was sick. And I think it's helpful probably to us to understand that from what we can tell about Roman centurions, they don't seem to have had family. So this servant was probably much more like a family member to this guy, very much probably like a son to him. So it's not just that you know, the guy that his servant at home, the guy that cleans up around the house or you know, does the chores is sick and it would be nice if he were better. This guy means a lot to this centurion. And so he comes to Jesus for healing. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. Let's go. Where is he? I want to come. And the centurion says something that Jesus is amazed at, which is pretty cool if you think about it. To say something that Jesus finds amazing. And it's this expression of faith. He basically looks at Jesus and says, look, I have some hint of who you are. And I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. But I do understand authority. After all, I'm in the military. I have people over me. They say, do this. I do that. I have people under me. I give them an order and they carry it out. And he recognizes that Jesus has a kind of authority which is unparalleled. And he says, if you say the word, it will happen. He recognizes, essentially, that Jesus is the king over everything. That he has authority over absolutely everything in the universe. It's all under Jesus' control, and he also recognizes that this is the guy that can make it right. I've got a problem that I can't fix, and this is the guy we need to see. Our youngest son, I'm just going to tell you stories about my kids all day, if that's okay. That's all preachers do anyway, as far as illustrations probably. But uh, our youngest son was born, uh, essentially born deaf, um, with significant uh, hearing loss, and so, in our first visit to his, uh, what would later become his surgeon, he's just had a cochlear Im- implant, and is doing great. Thank you very much. Um, so, in our first visit to his surgeon, we're in the waiting room, and I've got, uh, you know, Davis is uh, playing around, and the, we're sitting across from this woman, and she strikes up a conversation, and she says, you know, oh, your boy's so cute, and we agree with her, and immediately like this woman. And... <laughs> So she asks who we're here to see, and we tell her, you know, we're here to see Dr. So-and-so. And her eyes light up. She says, that's who I'm here to see. He's amazing. And she goes on to tell us her story, and it really was amazing. She had some sort of 
inner ear issue that basically for years rendered her virtually unable to open her eyes without being nauseous. This woman just had not functioned for years. She just laid in bed most days. She said she had gone to all kinds of doctors. They really didn't know what to do with her. And she said she heard about this guy. She heard he was the best, and she tried to get in to see him, and she finally got in to see him. And she said, he is the best. He fixed me. So you can imagine, as I'm sitting there with my little deaf son in my lap, I'm hearing this testimony. I remember thinking to myself, this is where we need to be. This is the guy that we need to see and nobody else. Because this guy, he's the best. He's the authority in his field. He can evidently, and it's probably not literally true, but he, can, he seems to be able to do things that no one else can do. And that's a little bit of what this centurion has latched onto. That this is the guy that we need. So a, couple, a quick application, what does that mean? I think it means this, that on, on a grander scale, if you look at yourself and you see that you need fixing somehow, whether it's spiritual fixing, uh, emotional healing, uh, physical healing, or whatever, if you find yourself broken and wanting to be fixed, and you wonder to yourself, can anybody do something about about inside me? Can anybody do something about the, the bitterness that I feel toward my husband or wife or toward my parents? Can anybody do anything about the addictions that I face? Can anybody do anything about the hardness of my heart in worship? Can anybody fix the, the, the shame I feel from the abuse that I've endured? I want you to see that the answer is yes. Can those things be fixed? Is there somebody that can do it? The answer is yes. Because Jesus has authority over everything. And ultimately, of course, we see that he has authority to heal spiritually. So second quick application. It means that that Jesus is what you need. There are all kinds of things that we could go to for healing. And that doesn't mean I'm not preaching the sermon about don't go see a counselor. All you need is Jesus. It's a whole different conversation. It's not what I'm getting at. But what you need fundamentally, more than anything else, you need to go to Jesus. It also means that's what your, your co-worker, your, your friend needs. It's what your kids need. They don't, they don't first and foremost need more discipline. They don't first and foremost need a, a swift kick in the pants. Or, uh, your coworker doesn't need to, to, to get his act together fundamentally. What, what they need is Jesus, and that's what you get to take to them. It's who you get to take to them. Because he has authority over everything. So we see that Jesus has the authority to heal. So secondly, let's see who he heals. Take a few minutes and look at who are the recipients of this healing. And I hope that you find this as fascinating as I do because 
if you're tracking along, you might think like, okay, great, so Jesus heals. Who's that for? Would he heal me? All right, take a look at this. In these three scenes, we see Jesus, in order, heal a leper, a Gentile, and then a Jewish woman. Okay, so big deal. Uh, What is the big deal? I think it's this. I think Jesus is very purposeful. I think Matthew is very purposeful in recording it that way. All right, think about this. The temple in Jerusalem, where if you were a a God-fearing Jew, where you worshipped, the temple had a certain configuration to it. And and they would go like this. The Holy of Holies was in the very center where God's presence uh, dwelt. Right, where the high priest would go in once a year to meet, uh, to meet with God and atone for the sins of his people. So in the very middle, <clears throat> I guess you could say you have, you have God. On the court, that is the, as close to that as you can get, <clears throat> without being in the Holy of Holies, is the, where the Jewish men worshipped. And only Jewish men could go that far. And then only the high priest, of course, in the Holy of Holies. Outside of that court was the court of women, where Jewish women could go and worship, but they couldn't go any further. Outside of that court was the court of the Gentiles. If you were were not a Jew, but you wanted to worship uh, the one true God, excuse me, that's great, you're, you're welcome to, but you can only come so far in. You can only come into the court of the Gentiles. And then, I believe it's the eastern wall of the city, or of the temple, served as the wall of the city. And if you were a leper, lepers were commanded by law, you were not allowed inside city walls. Okay, so what's the big deal? You read a book in seminary about the temple. That's awesome. Why are you telling us? Well, notice who Jesus heals. Jesus heals a leper and then a Gentile. And then a Jewish woman. It's, it's as if Jesus is breaking down all those walls. It's like Jesus is saying, who gets to come in? You get to come in. And then you get to come in. And you get to come in. It's for, it's for that guy. Thank you. Yes, cheers. Yeah, who is Jesus' healing for? It's for that guy. And we all don't want to be that guy because that, that, that guy sticks out. But in a very real sense, that's the only kind of person that Jesus came for. It's radical. Jesus, who does Jesus heal? He heals the outsider. Lepers, Gentiles, and Jewish women, if you're a Jewish male, are all outsiders to you. They're, to, some, to varying degrees... They are those people. And that's who Jesus came to bring healing to. Those people. So what do we do with that? Well, I guess first this. Do you see yourself as an outsider? Particularly spiritually speaking, do you see yourself... Yeah, like the centurion does. How do you know? Do you see yourself like the centurion? When Jesus says, I'll come to your house. He says, 
I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Do you see yourself like that? Uh, maybe you come here and, and think, gosh, church is, for, church is for the folks that go to Bible studies and, 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 and they serve their community and they're nice people and they're good parents and they do good things and they give money. And that, I'm a whole lot more messed up than that. If you see yourself like that, the, the, I think this text says good. Because that's who Jesus came to heal. The outsider, the, those that don't deserve it. And Jesus is showing them that this is for you. I bring people in that don't deserve it. Why? Because they, when I bring people in from the outside, they really love me. Like that woman in the doctor's office, she loves that doctor. Why? Because nobody else could help her. Probably a lot of people didn't want to. He, he saved her, in a sense. It's for the outsider. And then a, a second application that I think necessarily will, will bleed out of that. If you know yourself to be an outsider that Jesus has, has healed and reached out to, the more and more that gets down in your bone, <clears throat> sorry, the more and more that gets down in your bones, the more, the more you'll see that manifest in your life the more you'll be someone that reaches out to the outsider, that, that relates to people that aren't like you, that are hard to like. You'll see yourself reaching out and living life like that because you have the perspective of an outsider. It'll cause you to be compassionate more and more. So whoever it is in your life that, that's that guy, those people, Maybe it's the homeless. Maybe it's the sick. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's the homosexual community. Uh, Maybe it's a race of people. Maybe it's a social or, or economic strata of people. You'll begin more and more. Is that If you really see what Jesus has done for you, begin to see... I'm just like them, and Jesus saved me. Yeah, it's a good question to ask yourself. Who do you reach out to that's, that isn't just like you? So we see Jesus has the authority to heal. We see who he heals, and now thirdly, finally, let's look at how he heals, how he goes about his healing. Uh, I, think that it's, I think that it's fair to sum up from these three scenes that Jesus heals with identifying compassion. He's very compassionate, very tender to these folks. And it seems that the more outside someone is, the more compassionate he is with them. Or at least that's what's highlighted in the recording of it with Matthew. I'm not trying to say Jesus is kinder to people more on the outside. But that's what seems to be brought out. So first, with Peter's mother-in-law, right? He, she's sick, we're not sure to what degree, but he touches her. He goes in and heals her. She gets better. With the centurion, centurion makes his request, and Jesus, like we've said, Jesus says, I'll, I'll, I'll come. Let's go. I'll, I'll come in your living room. And now that, 
might seem not seem like it's such a big deal, but uh, what I think you need to keep in mind is that for a Jew in this day and age, for a Jew to go into the home of a Gentile was defiling to them. Uh, he would be rendered ceremonially unclean to go into the house of a Gentile. And Jesus doesn't care because he cares. He says, the Roman centurion knows that. And he says, I mean, imagine what that would be like to have a a Jewish teacher that's evidently a big deal and rabbi and whom he obviously has some sense as king of the universe to say, I'll come to your house. I'll come in your living room despite whatever it might mean. It's a beautiful thing. And then it's, the ultimate expression is this leper. And this is, this, is, this is fabulous. Like we said, the leper, if you had leprosy, you weren't even allowed inside the walls of the city. Forget the temple. You sure hadn't been in the temple. You hadn't been in the city. You lived outside maybe with a few other people who were rotting away and dying. You had to call out, if people came near you, you had to call out unclean so that people could not be near you. This guy has probably, I'm obviously making a guess, this guy probably has not had a meaningful conversation with somebody in a long time. And what does Jesus do? First, let me tell you what I would have done. If I, if I were Jesus and could heal people, and, and I were so inclined to heal people, and this guy comes up to me and says, will you heal me? I guarantee you my first reaction would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there, killer. You stay over there. I will heal you from over here. You know, zap, right? You're welcome. <laughs> but what does Jesus do? <laughs> Jesus goes over and touches him. Like I said, he probably hadn't even talked to somebody for more than a couple minutes in a long time. He sure hadn't touched anybody. Why? Because nobody wants what you've got. I don't want to get your yuck on me. And Jesus comes and he touches him. Can you imagine what that would feel like? I think what you would would think is, wow, not only is this guy powerful and amazing, I'm, I'm healed now, but you probably also think, I think that guy likes me. I think he loves me. He's not afraid to... He doesn't think I'm gross. I listen to a uh, This American Life. It's a podcast, uh, regularly the number one podcast on iTunes. If, if you're not familiar with it, it's great. Recommend it to you. But was listening to an episode not terribly long ago, and they were profiling, uh, at least in part, this uh, married couple... Uh, and the husband was involved, worked very near to, uh, the, uh, it, it was in Russia, the Chernobyl nuclear plant meltdown in 1986. And everything I know about that came from Wikipedia, which is very little, so, sorry. And so he was very close to ground zero in this nuclear meltdown. They had just been married for a few months. So he ends up in the hospital, and he is radioactive. He is bad sick. I mean, this guy is, is glowing sick. 
And they have him in a glass room, and the nurses interact with him somehow through the glass. They do not go in there, because to go in there is ultimately to die. Because you will get sick. And his wife... I practice, like, don't cry. His wife shows up. And they beg her, don't go in there. Because she's not sick. Don't go in there. It's going to kill you. You go in there and you die, eventually. And of course she goes in there. And she would hold his hand. And the nurses can't believe it. He offers her an orange. Don't eat the orange. She eats the orange. And they asked her, why in the world would you do that? And she said, because I love him. He's my husband. And now I could, we can end this sermon right here by saying, do you love Jesus that much? But that's not the point. That's not the biblical illustration. That's not what the text says. We're going to end the sermon by saying, do you see that that's how Jesus loves you? That Jesus is not afraid of your radioactivity of sin. If you see yourself right and you, all, the, all the yuck that you have in you and on you and that you are, that I am, don't let me preach at you, right? That, that I am. Jesus is not afraid to get that all over him. It means that Jesus, he doesn't just heal people, zap people into his kingdom, right? Because he needs subjects and he wants people in the kingdom. He heals people. He loves people. And it's obviously a picture of of how he heals us spiritually. He's going to actually, did, on the cross, take our yuck, our sin, our radioactivity onto himself and, and, and wear it on the cross. And God punished our sin in Jesus and he, he took Jesus' righteousness and he, and he gave it to us. And at the end of Matthew, Matthew tells us something amazing. That when... When Jesus dies, when he's on the cross wearing our our yuck, our radioactivity for us, that the moment he dies, Matthew says, the, the curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from everything else, the curtain was ripped in two from top to bottom. It's as if Jesus' death is saying, you get to come in, and you get to come in, and you get to come in, and you get to come all the way in. You don't just get to come kind of near. You get to come and be in the very presence of God. You get the Father. He brings healing. And that is an offer to all of us this morning. Do you, know a, do you have a hero that's brought healing like that? He's offered to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. It seems in some ways trite to say thank you. That you would heal such wretches like us. But oh Jesus, we thank you. We don't deserve it. But you love us. 
Lord, strengthen us in your love for us. And if, if that is not true of anyone in this room, would you make it so even this morning? Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.